0: The Two-Footed Podcast is brought to you by eplindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geoblocked from while keeping your data safe. So as an example, if you are a UK expat and want access to BBC iPlayer to watch Match of the Day or ITV Hub or all four, but you get that message that says this content is not available in your location, a Liberty Shield VPN gets you around that block, allows you to watch whatever you want on those services while also keeping your data safe. And it goes further than that. It allows you to open up Netflix's entire library by just changing your IP address. Liberty Shield is the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot with five-star ratings across the board, So go to libertyshield.com right now, use the code EPL25 and get either the hardware package or the software package. The hardware package is a router that you plug into your existing router and any item you want to change the IP address on, be it your phone or your television, you connect that to the new Liberty Shield router. All other items can remain connected to your existing router. There's also a software package which is instantly downloadable to your device and you can get using straight away. Again, libertyshield.com, EPL25 for 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops which you'll find on Etsy, Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 for 10% off at checkout. And lastly, do remember to check out a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. That podcast is on this feed before every Premier League match week. And then the EPL Roundtable hosted by Kevin DeVries on its own EPL Roundtable feed. So just search EPL Roundtable in your podcast device. And that's out after every match week. Now, nah, on with the show. What's good, boys and girls? Two-footed podcast. Today is Wednesday, February the 7th. I don't have much energy, but I am here. Uh, not in my usual vigorous way, but I'm here today anyway. Uh, We had football last night, we have football today, so it's all good. Southampton, three. Watford, nil in the FA Cup fourth round replay last night. Seku Mara with two goals and Che Adams with the third. As the Saints secured a fifth-round tie away to Liverpool, Coventry four, Sheffield Wednesday one. Casey Palmer put Cov one up. Bailey Callumartury equalised on ten minutes. Two from Callum O'Hare and a fourth goal from Hadji Wright gave Coventry a very comfortable win in the end. And on they march into the fifth round, where they will play host to Maidstone United. So. Good opportunity for Coventry here to get themselves into the quarter final. Um, for Maidstone, as I said, when the draw was made, it's obviously not the draw they would have liked. They would have liked one of the bigger Premier League teams. But Coventry are a big team. It's a big stadium. And hopefully there's a good turnout. And they have a chance. Like they have a better chance of progressing with respect against Coventry than they would have against let's say, City or Newcastle or United or Wolves or Brighton or Liverpool. In our third and final game last night, Plymouth won, leads four. Um, scoreline not representative of the game, really. Wilfred Nanto put leads one up on 66 minutes. Brendan Galloway equalized on 78. Game went to extra time. Uh, Crescincio Somerville scored on 97 minutes. Jorginho Reuter made a 3-1 to Leeds on 111. And then a Ryan Hardy own goal gave the scoreline an unwarranted lean towards Leeds. Leeds were the better team. They deserve to go through. 4-1 flattered them. Um, but through they are. And Leeds must now wait to find out who they will play. So we have... Two games tonight in the FA Cup. We've got Nottingham Forest at home to Bristol City. They played out a nil-nil draw in Bristol first time around. Obviously, Bristol knocked out West Ham in a third-round replay. Um, They'll fancy themselves, I think, to go to Forest and get something, to, to get the win and get through. But it won't be easy. It won't be easy at all. Forest have looked a little bit better. Since Nuno took over in terms of their organisation, they're tougher to play against. I've been quite impressed by Oma Bamadeli and Murillo since Oma Bamedelli finally got an opportunity. I think he's going to prove to be a decent signing for them in the long term. He is someone I'm a big fan of. I've got a lot of hopes for him with regards to the Irish national team. Um... Bristol, I mean, Jason Knight is there, so there's Irish interest on that side too for me. But I, I do think Forrest will find the way through. The winner of that one plays host to Manchester United in the fifth round. And our final game then tonight is, of course, the big one. It's Aston Villa against Chelsea. Uh, these sides played out a very, very dull 0-0 draw. First time around, Villa... At Villa Park, you would make favourites to advance and they'll play host to Leeds. Uh, Well, the winner of this would play host to Leeds in the next round. Won't write off Chelsea. Out of respect, there's a lot of talent there. They do have a good manager, regardless of the fact that the season has gone pretty disastrously for them. But they do have a good manager. And they do have a lot of talented players. It's just that the pieces don't fit together. You saw it again at the weekend. Like Throw away the Liverpool game. Liverpool are much better than Chelsea. Much, much better. Arsenal are much better than Chelsea. City are much better than Chelsea. Spurs are better than Chelsea. Villa are better than Chelsea. All the rest, West Ham, United, Brighton, Wolves, Bournemouth, and Chelsea, I'd put all of them sort of in the same bowl, the same level. But when you look at those teams, they all resemble teams and Chelsea resemble a collection of individuals. they should have included Newcastle in that obviously. So that's the group from sixth to twelfth. Inclusive of Bournemouth. Sixth to twelfth. Because I'd put Bournemouth in that same group. Um don't think Bournemouth are as good, but they're worth mentioning here. United There is a team there that works. Now, there's some big question marks, of course. The goalkeeper, there's question marks in the defence. Though they've lost Martinez now for another period of time. That might actually help if they can just get a settled centre-back pairing in. If they just go with Lindelof and Varane, I think they'd just be better off. If Lindelof can, can stay fit and Varane can stay fit. Casemiro and Mainu looks like a midfield pairing that works. Mainu's dynamism, his ability to cover ground, seems to mask a lot of the deficiencies that are now in Casemiro's game. And Casemiro's experience and ability to read the game helps Mainu's immaturities. Then you've got Garnaccio right, Bruno Central, Rashford left, that's really good and really well balanced. You've got pace, you've got creativity, you've got goals from all three. And Hoysland is starting to look like the real deal. So that front four works. That's the front four I've been saying for months they needed to play. Now we're finally seeing it. The problem's going to be at some point Mason Mount is going to come back and that manager spent 60 million on Mason Mount. And he's going to try and have to try and justify that to the new owner. At some point, he's going to have to give Anthony another run because they paid $80 million for him, and he's going to have to justify that to the new owner because Eric Ten Hag is now auditioning for his own job. But United, at least, look like a team. You look at West Ham, they look like a team. They're well set up. The pieces fit together. You can tell that it was a team built over time. Do they have as much talent as Chelsea? No, not even close. But they're much more of a team than Chelsea. The same is true of Brighton. Now, Brighton have a lot of talent. Brighton have more talent probably than West Ham. But they don't have top-end players all over the pitch. They've got areas of weakness. But they look like a team. They play as a unit. They've got a defined defensive structure. Now, unfortunately for them, it's the structure of a colander. But still, it's a structure nonetheless. They have defined patterns of play going forward. These things work. Newcastle, defined way of playing, patterns of play, defensive structure. Wolves, the exact same. And like the teams above them, you can tell that was a team built over time. When you watch Chelsea play, they just look like a gang of lads that were thrown together with no real plan. Players still getting to know each other, still figuring out their own roles. A manager who, like I said, is a good manager, but he hasn't yet instilled a real defensive structure. The reason he can't do that is because of Thiago Silva. Because they have to overcompensate for Thiago Silva. The best thing... Pochettino could do is banish Thiago Silva. Genuinely. Thiago Silva is the primary reason that Thomas Tuchel was sacked from there and from PSG. He's also the biggest flaw in the Graham Potter era because he's too slow and because you have to overcompensate for him. And You have to put players in positions that doesn't really suit them or players you wouldn't necessarily want in your team because they have certain attributes that make up for his inability to move. All you need to do is go back and watch that Liverpool game and watch him get absolutely roasted, and then watch the Wolves game and watch him get absolutely roasted. He's a liability and has been for years. And he looks fine when the game's in front of him, when he can read the game, when he has that time to make his decisions and things like that. He, he still has the brain to play at a decent level, but Chelsea don't want to be at a decent level. They want to be at an elite level. Thiago Silva can go and play in Brazil for two or three years. That's about the level he's ready for at this point. He's not ready for the Premier League anymore. He's not capable of playing in this league anymore. You've got injury issues, obviously, with Reese James. You've got question marks over... The fullbacks, the defensive structure, like I said, is not good. The midfield, I've talked about it a bunch. It doesn't work. The, the, the two have far too much crossover in Caicedo and Enzo. They're both exceptionally good young players individually, collectively. They're below average. And the attack lacks goals. It's as simple as that. It, it lacks goals. And Cole Palmer can do his silly celebration all he wants. He's never going to score you enough goals. To make up for not having a proper number nine and Kunku won't get you enough goals in England to make up for not having a number nine. Now, could you potentially get a collective of Parmer and Kunku and Sterling to get you enough goals? Maybe if you were getting some from midfield, but who are you getting goals from midfield from? Conor Gallagher is not going to get you enough goals. He's not good enough to start for a team with real ambition to win major honors either. So this is the issue for Chelsea. They have more talent than anybody else in that six through twelve group, but they're less of a team than any of them. I don't I, I there's talk that Pochettino could go. There's talk that Pochettino could be gone before the end of this month just there's, there's some people saying that the only reason they haven't sacked them is because they're afraid it would help them fail or make them fail ffp you're going to fail it anyway lads it is just what it is there's just no no way around it you are going to fail um so you might as well just live with it and you're going to fail flagrantly Because you attempted to give two fingers up to the league and kept spending when you should not have been spending. And you bought players because your owner was on an ego trip. I think if if Villa beat Chelsea, that ends any hope of Chelsea having silverware this year. And it probably ends any hope of European football for next year. That might be it for Poch. That might be him gone. But I don't think anyone else is coming in and fixing it, being perfectly honest. Um, let's move on. We have AFCON today. We have Nigeria versus South Africa at 5 p.m., and then Ivory Coast versus Democratic Republic of Congo at 8 p.m. Those are obviously the semi final games. Um, I'm attempting to reverse jinx Bafana, Bafana all the way to glory. So I'm going to pick Nigeria to win. And I just can't believe Ivory Coast are still in this competition. But it's fantastic to see them finally making the most of the talent that's in that squad. So I'm going to pick them over the Democratic Republic of Congo. Uh, the Asian Cup, the second semi final, is currently ongoing. And at the moment, it is Iran to Qatar Two. Now, yesterday in the first semifinal, we had an upset as Jordan beat South Korea 2-0, Al-Namat and Al-Tamari scoring the goals, as uh, Jurgen Klinsmann proved himself to be a dreadful manager and took South Korea on home. Um, so Jordan await the winner of today's game. Now, like I say, it is 2-2. Uh, Iran went one up on four minutes. Qatar then went 2-1 up. But Yohan Bakash has pulled it back to 2-2 with a penalty and is an hour gone in that game. The winner of that game will probably be heavily favoured, I'd imagine, in the final. But, I mean, Jordan don't seem to understand that they're underdogs. They, They don't seem to care that they're underdogs either. But Iran, having knocked out Japan, I think would be devastated if they went out at this point. Like Japan were, as we went into that quarterfinal, you're looking at Australia, South Korea, Iran, and Japan. They were playing each other, and you were thinking, whoever gets through, that's in all likelihood going to be the final. Whichever two appears from those two games will avoid each other in the semifinals, and that's probably the final. Well, South Korea failed to live up to their side of it, and now we'll find out if Iran can live up to theirs. Uh, But the Asian Cup has been has been a big success obviously we have the final of that competition this saturday the final of the afcon is sunday uh we'll take a break now we'll come back i'm not going to do nostalgia this week i just don't feel up to it but we'll do some winners and losers and a few other bits and bobs so we'll see you after this i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week you're hear is in conversation with business icons And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Right, welcome back. So, uh, winners and losers from the weekend. First winner, we're going to say Arsenal. Uh, to beat Liverpool and keep themselves in the mix. It's obviously a, a big deal for them, uh, as seen by celebrating as if they'd won the Champions League. Uh, clearly meant a lot to them. So, uh, we'll give them the first winner. They did play well, to be fair, relied heavily on Liverpool mistakes, but they did play well. Uh, second winner is Manchester United because. They didn't play particularly well against West Ham. The 3-0 flatters them enormously. But there were things for their fans to be really excited about. And that front four is the, the primary one. Um, it, it just works. It is balanced. It has what you're looking for. It has pace. It has creativity. It has goals. They can play as a possession team with that front four they could be devastating on the counter attack with that front four uh, menu looks like he's going to be a real player for them um which you know along with Garnacho, that's two more academy lads for the fans to really get behind that team just works now like i say there are there are serious issues with that defense and if west ham had had their full full complement of players, and not been forced to play Ben Johnson as a winger, for example, I think they would have caused United a lot more problems. But at the same time, I do think United showed enough to be moving forward with a blueprint of what they want to look like. And when Ten Hag sits down with the new ownership and whoever the new sporting director is, Uh, to basically beg and plead for the season in charge, he can point to that front four and Maynard and say, look, we've got some issues, but this works. This works. Get me a younger Casemiro. Get me a dominant centre-back. And maybe get me another dominant centre-back. And we'll have something you know, we'll have a team capable of challenging in the top four. There's still a long way from winning anything, but they can be a top four team again with, I don't know, maybe another 200 million spent. Uh, Third winner then, I think it's Luton. I really do. I mean, to go to Newcastle, I know they didn't win the game, but to go to Newcastle, and front up the way they did, and put it up to Newcastle the way they did. And I know they'll be devastated not to have taken all three points, having been 4-2 up. Newcastle's a really tough place to go, and not many teams are coming away from there with a win. So off the back of what's been a really good run, where you drew away to Burnley, you beat Luton in the Cup replay, then you knocked out Everton, then you hammered Brighton and you get this good result against Newcastle. And that leads you in to Sheffield United at home, a very, very winnable game. And then Manchester United at home, which is another winnable game. I mean, this, this could be the turning point that keeps them safe. This run that they're on now, and I know they've been quite good for the last couple of months, But if they can string together, like even if they take four more points from the next two games, all of a sudden they might have daylight between themselves and the bottom three. Because if we look at Everton, they've got City up next and then Crystal Palace. So what if they only take one point from those two games and Luton have taken four? well, then there's a four-point gap between them. And Nottingham Forest, they've got Newcastle and West Ham. Now, they're both at home, but they're both really tough games. So Luton could climb above Forest if results go their way. They could even be eyeing Brentford, who've got to go to Wolves and then play Liverpool. And Brentford right now are only two points ahead of Luton. I wouldn't be surprised if we turn around after the Luton United game, not this weekend coming, the following weekend, and we're looking at Luton in 15th place. I wouldn't be surprised. Do I think they'll stay up? No, I still don't think they'll stay up. But they'd be giving themselves a chance. They'd be giving themselves a real chance. And credit to them, credit to everybody involved in that club. Because they haven't backed down from the plan that they set last summer and they're giving it a real go at staying up with what is a glorified championship team. And a moment of praise for Ross Barkley, who's having the best season of his career, having been on the scrap heap, what an inspired signing he's been. Uh, Losers, Liverpool, not the result, the performance was an abomination, an absolute abomination, completely unacceptable. Uh, Next, Chelsea. It's one thing losing 4-1 away to Liverpool. You would think that would spark a reaction. And then you go one up at home against Wolves, who haven't been great away from home this season. And then they absolutely spank you. And when you got a goal back to make it 4-2, the game, the the results started to flatter you a little bit. Like Wolves had only won three games away from home prior to that. They've been really good at home. They've not been good away. And they went to Stamford Bridge and they spanked Chelsea. And they made them look really naive they made them look poor. They just took the ball off them and countered them whenever they felt like it and cut them open. And there was absolutely nothing that Chelsea could do to stop Cunha, to stop Neto. This was, Huang wasn't even, even in the team. Huang obviously was at the Asian Cup. So they're missing one of their starting midfielders, the starting front three, which had been so devastating for them this year. But Neto and Cunha were just unplayable. And Chelsea just looked atrocious. Our final loser then, I think it's Crystal Palace, if I'm honest. Um, Absolutely spanked by Brighton in what is their biggest rivalry game. And they lose Michael Elise to an injury that's likely to keep him out for a couple of months. With Eze already out, with Dakuri already out. I don't think they're going to go down but I think it's going to get really, really hairy for them for the next little while. There's a lot of talk around Roy, and will they move on from Roy? But who are you bringing in right now? Like, is Steve Cooper willing to come in now? Is Graham Potter willing to come in now? Or would they rather wait till the end of the season? Because if they are not willing to come in now, I don't know who you get. You're certainly not getting Kieran McKenna at this point. So, Palace are going to be my third loser. Uh, speaking of Kieran McKenna, let's take a look at the Championship. Uh, at the weekend, we had uh, Bristol City nil, Leeds United one, Wilfred Nanto with the only goal of the game. Hull City one, Millwall nil, uh, Jaden Philligan with the goal there. Rotherham nil, Southampton two. Jan Bednarek and Adam Armstrong. West Brom won Birmingham nil. Andreas Weiman, who's obviously most famous for his time. Well, I don't know. Is he most famous for his time with Aston Villa? Or is he most famous as the inspiration for the Weiman meter on the Villa podcast? Either way, he got the goal. Um, Huddersfield 4, Sheffield Wednesday nil. Massive win this for Huddersfield. Maddie Pearson, two from Josh Karoma, and Sorba Thomas, who's a lot of fun, with the other one. Uh, Preston, three. Ipswich, two. Ipswich's poor run continues. Uh, two from Will Keane and a George Edmondson goal. Uh, own goal had put Preston 3-0 up. Kiefer Moore did get two back for Ipswich, who, to be fair, threw absolutely everything, at Preston just couldn't find an equaliser. Uh, Stoke nil, Leicester City five, two from Patson Daka, Casey McAteer, and two from Jamie Vardy. Q, uh, Blackburn one, QPR two. Nice nostalgic 90s game for me. Um, Ainsley, Allen, William Pierce scored an own goal on the 64th minute. Joe Hodge scored for QPR to make it 2-0 on 64. Sam Gallagher pulled one back, but it wasn't enough. Norwich 2, Coventry 1 in the James Madison derby. Uh, Josh Sargent and Boreas Sands getting the goals for Norwich, who'd gone 1-0 behind to a Callum O'Hare goal, but fought back admirably, admirably to win. Watford nil, hard 1. Josh Bowler with the only goal. Talented player, he's bounced around a bit. Uh, Swansea nil, Plymouth one. Morgan Whittaker with the only goal of the game, and then Middlesbrough one, Sunderland one. In the is that the T T's Weir derby? Teaswear derby is that it? I think that's that what that one's called. Um, yeah, Marcus Fors and Nasaray Rusin with the goals in that one. So the table: Leicester are top, eleven points clear of Southampton. Now, Saints do have a game in hand, but it's pretty clear that Leicester are going to win the championship this year. Um, Then it's Leeds. Ipswich has dropped to fourth. Now, I don't think they'll drop any lower than fourth, even though they're in terrible form at the moment. But I don't think they're going to get automatic promotion. And I think when we get to the playoffs, I think they might just fall short. Um, So basically, there's two other playoffs spots that are open. 5th and 6th. Currently West Brom have 48 points, Hull have 45, Coventry of 44, Sunderland of 44, Norwich of 44 and Preston of 42. That's teams 5 through 10 or 5th through 10th in the league. I think those two spots are open to any of those teams. Any of those six teams. I think it's a step too far for Watford, for Middlesbrough and for Cardiff who have 41, 41, and 40, respectively. That brings us 11 through 13. Uh, 14th is Bristol City. 15th is Plymouth. Then it's Millwall, Swansea, Blackburn, Birmingham, Stoke, Huddersfield, QPR, Sheffield Wednesday, and Rotherham. It looks like both Sheffield teams, uh, having both won promotion last year, will both get relegated this year. And next year will be another season without a Sheffield Derby, which really annoys me because uh, that is an absolute belter of a derby. To be fair, um, right? In League One at the weekend, we had Oxford one, Reading one, Burton nil, Lincoln City one, Cheltenham one, Wickham three, Exeter one, Bristol Rover, Exeter nil, Bristol Rovers one. Bolton 1, Barnsley 1, Leighton Orient 3, Carlisle 2, Peterborough 2, Wigan 3, Shrewsbury 1, Cambridge 2, Stevenage 1, Blackpool 1, Portsmouth 4, Northampton 1, Fleetwood 3, Port Vale 0, Charlton 0, Derby 1. We also, in these midweek days, are catching up on games from earlier in the season. So, uh, yesterday, Bristol Rovers nil, Fleetwood two, Port Vale nil, Leighton Orient one, Exeter City two, Peterborough one. Burton versus Cheltenham was postponed. uh, Stevenage nil, Reading one, and then Cambridge versus Bolton. I believe what happened there was the game actually kicked off. Yeah, kicked off. They played nine minutes and the referee decided that the pitch was unplayable. Um, how he hadn't deduced that before the game, I don't know. But that game was suspended at that point. So the league table, Portsmouth are top four points clear of Derby. Then it's Bolton, Peterborough, Barnsley, Stevenage, Oxford, Blackpool, Leighton Orient, Bristol Rovers, they're probably out of the playoff hunt. Like, at the moment, it it looks like uh, Portsmouth will win the league. Second place, then, you would say probably between Derby, Bolton and Peterborough, with the other two being in the playoffs, that leaves again two playoff spots. And you'd say Barnsley, Stevenage, Oxford, Blackpool and Leighton Orient, even though Even though there's eight points between Barnsley and Lake Orient, that's probably the group there. Um, then, yeah, moving on down. Bristol Rovers, Northampton, Lincoln, Wigan, Exeter City, Cambridge United, Wickham, Shrewsbury, Burton, Charlton, Reading, who've climbed says out of the relegation spots again, Portvale, Fleetwood Town, Cheltenham, and Carlisle into league two that's not league two that's league one again this is league two right um Newport two Swindon one Crawley one Morecambe two Sutton one Doncaster one Tranmere nil Crew Alexandra nil Bradford City nil AFC Wimbledon nil Salford three, Wrexham one, Accrington Stanley nil, Grimsby nil, Gillingham one, Walsall one, Colchester three, Forest Green three, Mansfield one, Notts County nil, Barrow one, MK Dons nil, Stockport one, Harrogate one. So Stockport are top four points clear of Mansfield, who are one point clear of Barrow. Now remember there are three automatic playoff spots from this division. Uh, Crew are one point behind Barrow, two behind Mansfield. They have one game in hand on Mansfield, two in hand on Barrow. Then it's Crew, MK Dons, Notts County, Harrogate, AFC Wimbledon. I would say we could potentially see both Wrexham and Notts County get promoted into league one having both come from the conference last year because i think Wrexham will get an automatic play uh, an automatic promotion spot and i think Knotts county would have a really good shot in the playoffs if they make the playoffs but they might not uh harrowgate afc wimbledon who are the team i would love to see get promoted uh gillingham Accrington stanley Morecambe, newport crawley Walsall, Tranmere, Swindon in 17th. Paul Starrett, you must be having a terrible season, son. Uh, Bradford City, Salford City, Grimsby Town, Colchester, Doncaster, Sutton United and Forest Green bringing up the rear. Pathetic as always. On the topic of Forest Green, how is my good friend and comrade, big Duncan Ferguson doing? Uh, Inverness, Caledonian, Thistle. Let's see. Beaten beaten 1-0 by Queen's Park at the weekend. Um, ending a run of back-to-back wins. Up next for Inverness is Hibernian. Wouldn't hold out much hope of a win in that one. How's uh, the table looking? Uh, Big Dunk has them safely in seventh in a 10-team league. Um, but they do look like they should be fairly safe from the drop even though they could quite easily end up second from bottom, given Queen's Park are one point behind them, have a game in hand. Dunfermline are on the same points, have two games in hand. Uh, Our both have 18 points. They're six points behind Inverness with a game in hand. I think it's two go down, isn't it? Scottish Championship. This is when you know you're dealing with high quality stuff. When you're googling what the Scout of Scottish Championship uh, works, let's see. Yes, so the bottom team currently Aberdeens would go directly to League One, not passing go and not collecting their two hundred quid, and the team who finished ninth, uh, which Inverness have a, a strong possibility of of ending up there, having just been beaten by the team currently in ninth, uh, they would go into a playoff against the current second-place team in the Scottish League One, which could be any of Hamilton Academical, Cove Rangers and Montrose. Uh Falkirk are going to be promoted. They're running away with that league at the moment. Um, yeah. Yeah, so Big Dunk, I mean, he's moseying by. He's certainly done better here than he did uh, at Forest Green with eight wins uh, from his 19 games, a 42.1% win rate. It has boosted him to 10 career managerial wins from his 42 games in charge for a 23.81% uh, win rate. That Forest Green spell, that, that is historic stuff. 18 games, one win, three draws, and 14 defeats. That is, that's the stuff of legends. Big dunk. What a guy. What a guy. Uh, we'll just quickly check in on the National League. See where those recent results leave things. So Walking won, Boreham, sorry, Walking nil, Boreham won one. one. Eastleigh won, Chesterfield 3, Dorking Wanderers 1, Field 3, South End 0, Gateshead 1, Bromley 1, Hartlepool 2, Rochdale 1, Dagenham and Redbridge 2, York City 1, Maidenhead United 1, Kidderminster Harriers 3, Oxford 2, Solihull Moors 0, Altrincham 1, Halifax Town 1, Aldershot 2, Barnet 1, Wheelstone 1, Ebsfleet United nil, Oldham Athletic nil. Uh, In midweek games, then, we've also had a clatter, which was, uh, let's see, Altrincham and Dorking got postponed. Um, Solihull went to Halifax and won 3-1. Maidenhead went to Wheelstone and won 1-0. Gateshead and Eastley played at a 1-1 draw. Woking beat Oxford 2-0. And Chesterfield beat the mighty Dagenham and Redbridge 2-1. So Chesterfield are running away with this. So this is embarrassing at this point. They're 22 points clear after 31 games. They actually have a game in hand as well over the team below them. Um, So they're on 80 points. So they they will be in the Football League next year. Then it's Bromley, Barnett, Solihull Moores, Altringham, Aldershot, Gateshead, Oldham, Rochdale, Halifax, Hartlepool, Maidenhead, Eastleigh, Wheelstone, Dagenham and Redbridge, South Southend United, York City, Dorking Wanderers, Woking, Field, Pinminister, Ebsfleet United, and Oxford City. There we go. Right, that is how the uh, lower leagues look out. I'm not sure you were looking for that today, but that's what you've got. I'm going to take another break. When we come back, using and gossip, and we're done. Short pod today. See you soon. Right, welcome back. It is all over in the Asian Cup semi-final. Iran 2, Qatar 3. So the Qataris move forward to face Jordan in the final on Saturday. So another one of the big favourites gone. Now, Qatar would have been one of the stronger teams going into the tournament without question. But I suppose when you look at the bigger, when you think of the bigger Asian nations for football, They just, they don't really factor in. Um, But obviously they've done brilliantly here, getting themselves to the final. It's on home soil. It'll mean the world to those players. And it would be a huge achievement if they were to pull this off now and beat Jordan in the final, which they will be favoured to do. And uh, yeah, and win the competition. Um, They obviously, they did win it last time out. A lot of people saw that as maybe a bit of a fluke, but can't question it this time. Can't question it this time at all. Uh, they've done they've done remarkably well. Uh, in the Afcon, the first of the semi-finals has kicked off. It is still nil nil. Um, South Korea's exit has brought about a lot of question marks over Jurgen Klinsmann's future. Uh, he's clearly not a very good manager. But he has said he will not resign from the post, uh, which, you know, he might not have a choice if they decide to just make a change. Brentford expect Ivan Tony to leave the club in the summer, says Thomas Frank. I think everybody expects Ivan Tony to leave Brentford in the summer. He would have left last summer if not for the ban. Uh, where he goes, I think, is still up in the air. I still think he'd make a lot of sense for Spurs. I still think he'd be brilliant for Villa. I think him and Watkins up front would be absolutely horrendous to play against. I think they'd be brilliant for Villa. If they had those two up front, Diaby right, Ramsey left, Luis and Kamara in the middle, that, to me, as a front six, is as good as most teams have. And it's very easy to work that into a 4-3-3 as well off the ball if that's what you want to do. You can just drop Ramsey into midfield, push the Abbey forward, play Watkins slightly to the left of Tony as the middleman. I think Watkins would be the biggest beneficiary there, but those two, they'd just be horrible to play against. And that's two strikers who are both capable of like 15-goal, 10-assist Premier League campaigns. If Villa can find the money, that's something they should do. Like, for example, if they sold Douglas Louise. Rather than spending all of that money on a Douglas Louise replacement, spend a big chunk of it on Ivan Tony and go shop for that Douglas Louise replacement. Someone like someone like Andre Trinidad could be perfect. Um, what else do we have here? Uh, Rangers have gone level with Celtic at the top of the Scottish Premiership. Uh, that says a lot more about Celtic and how miserable they've been than it does about Rangers. But congrats to Rangers nonetheless. Uh, Villa striker Daly to serve three-match ban. Rachel Daly has been suspended for three games for violent conduct. She elbowed Megan Connolly in the face in Villa's uh, 2-2 draw with Bristol City. Was not picked up by match officials, but was caught by the TV cameras. Uh, She's admitted the charge and accepted the punishment. Fair play. She's not contesting it. She knows she was in the wrong. Uh, It's a shame more people don't do the same. Boyzone could become the face of Chorley FC. Well, if ever there was someone that had the face to be the front of a football club, it's definitely Keith Duffy. Um, Stars of former pop band Boyzone are set to attend a football match at Chorley FC Amid rumours, the group are eyeing a bid to buy shares in the club. Ronan Keating, Shane Lynch, and Keith Duffy will appear at Saturday's FA, FA Trophy game against Solihull. Do you know what? That'd be great. Fair play. Fair play. Apparently, Brian McFadden, um, who wouldn't be a big fan of, uh, will also be in attendance. Uh, what else do we have here? Uh, Chelsea must not sell their culture according to Mario Melchiot. Now, Mario Melchiot is one of the defining figures of Chelsea's culture, which is money and greed. So I wouldn't be taking anything he really has to say too seriously, personally. Um, Sevilla disgusted at Ocampo's touching Lucas Acampas was inappropriately touched by a fan. A fan appeared to poke the winger's backside while he was preparing to take a, a throw in. Um, well, that's not good. Not good. Don't touch the players. Don't touch the players in, in any way. In any way, shape or form. Just leave them be. You're there to watch. You're not there to take part. I know the ticket cost a lot, but it didn't cost enough to warrant you, you know, getting on the pitch and taken part in the game. So just leave the players be. Uh, who owns your Premier League club and what does it mean? Anything interesting here? Uh, Arsenal, Stan Kroenke owns the vast majority. He now actually has 100% of the club. Um, NSWE, or now known as V-Sports, they have the controlling interest in Aston Villa. They also own a stake in Vittoria Gamerish, but that stake they actually reduced because they're both playing in the Conference League this season. Uh, Matthew Benham owns Brentford. He also owns Midtley End. Tony Bloom owns Brighton and Union St. Um, Bill Foley owns Bournemouth. He also owns uh, Lorenz. Burnley, ALK Capital. Uh, They also own part, apparently, of Dundee, which I wasn't aware of. Um, I knew JJ Watt was part of the Burnley ownership group. I did not, however, realise that Dude Perfect were one of the investors, um, which is a bit mad. Uh, Chelsea, yeah. Bowley, Clear Lake, etc., etc. They also own... Strasbourg Palace, part owned by John Texter, part owned by uh, Blitzer and Harris. They they all own a multitude of clubs. Uh, Everton still owned by Mishiri, but that 777 partners are trying to buy them out. They own shares in a bunch of clubs. Uh, Fulham, owned by Shahid Khan who don't own any of the football clubs, but they do own the Jacksonville Jaguars and AEW. Uh, Liverpool are owned by FSG, but Redbird Capital do have a small investment stake in FSG, not directly in Liverpool. Redbird obviously own AC Milan and Toulouse. Um, Luton are owned by the group Lutontown Football Club 2020. Uh, Paul Ballantyne has a significant interest in the company. City Football Group are owned by, well, City are owned by the City Football Group, along with 14 other clubs. Uh, Jim Ratcliffe now owns a part of United, but the Glazers are still the majority owners. The PAF own Newcastle. They also obviously own, well, all the clubs in Saudi Arabia, but most notably the, the big four Al Nazir, Al Halal, Al Ali, and Al Ittihad. Nottingham Forest are owned by Maranakis. Who also owns Olympiakos and Rio Ave? Uh, Prince Abdullah owns Sheffield United. Um, he was trying to sell the club to a Nigerian billionaire, but that fell apart. Uh, Prince Abdullah also owns Beer Shot, a second division team in Saudi Arabia, Chattero in France, and an Indian team. Uh, E&IC owns Spurs. They also have investments in Rangers, Slavia Prague, A.K. Athens, Vincenza, and Basel. Oh no, they've sold all of them. They used to have. They used to have. Um, West Ham, Sullivan, Kretensky and Vanessa Gold. Kretensky also owns one of the, is it Slavia Prague or Sparta Prague? He owns one of the one of the big clubs in the Czech Republic, or or has some interest there. And Wolves are owned by the Fosun Group. Fosun Group, um, the wife of the headman in that investment firm, did own Grasshoppers of Zurich, but sold them to LaFC. So LaFC, the MLS franchise, now part own Grasshoppers, which is a bit weird or at least I find it a bit weird. Maybe it's not weird. Um, But one football club owning another, like the football club owning another club, seems a little strange to me. Anyway, on to the gossip. Enzo Fernandez is considering leaving Chelsea just one year after joining the club for 107 million on an eight and a half year deal. Yeah, but he then signed an extension, which made it, I think, a nine and a half year deal. I wouldn't be surprised if he's unhappy but I don't see what his out is. So he he might want to get comfortable. Um, Chelsea players have complained that coaching by Maurizio Pochettino and his staff on tactical elements is limited while new arrivals have have expressed regret over their long-term contracts. Yeah. He probably not. He's probably not willing to work on tactical elements until you show the required effort, you know, that's probably the big thing for Pochettino. He wants the players to actually show the effort. Chelsea will wait until the end of the season to assess Pochettino's future as manager. I think they might be stuck with him anyway. Uh, Liverpool have made contact with Xabi Alonso. Nobody knows what Liverpool are doing, so that's just nonsense. Uh, Manchester United want to focus on data and youth in their summer recruitment with Michael Alise and Jared Bone targets. Again, we'll wait and see. Ten Hag will have reduced influence over the club's transfer strategy. He should have no influence. Genuinely none. Manchester City have not yet signed Savio, who is currently on loan at Girona from Troyes, but talks have taken place. There'll be no talks. Troyes, Girona, and Manchester City are all owned by the same people. So who? what talks would there be? Be a fella sitting in the room, talking to himself, looking in a mirror, maybe looking in two mirrors, maybe having... Mirror set up at angles so that he can look at himself in both at the one time. This is an attempt to work around cost, and City have been immediately called on it. The Premier League are going to look at what the value that's set on that player is because I think what will happen is somebody else might throw in, like some other Premier League club might well just throw in an offer on him. And then City would have to match it. So if if somebody, let's just say, let's just say Chelsea, decided to throw in an offer of fifty million, City would have to pay fifty million for him, as opposed to what they're probably going to try and do, and say that he was like ten. Um, Paris Saint Germain will consider a move for Marcus Rashford if they sell Kylian Mbappé this summer. They won't be selling Kylian Mbappé this summer. He'd be lo- leaving on a free. AC Milan remain interested in Tolson Adar That makes sense. A number of Premier League clubs are interested in Barcelona's Pau Gabarsi. I'd be shocked if he decided to leave. I think he might be Barça through and through. Uh, Crystal Palace are considering Roy Roy Hodgson's future at the club, but the club are struggling to find a replacement. Mason Greenwood is on Atletico Madrid's shortlist of fours they will consider signing this summer. I doubt it. I do. I doubt it. Uh, United will target players who are entering the final years of their contract and could therefore look at Joshua Kimmich, Jonathan David, and Kefran Turam. Don't think Kefran Turam's contract's up in the summer, uh, in twenty twenty five. Might be. But he'd, he'd be a good get for them. Now, does he fit with Mainu? No. Um, so he might not be what they need. Kimmich... Uh, that that would be a very united of the last ten years signing. Liverpool are monitoring Federico Chiesa. No, they're not. Norway striker Erling Haaland has no plans to leave Man City amid speculation he could join Real Madrid. Um, Peter Rourke wouldn't know either way. Wouldn't know either way. Arsenal remain in contract talks with England under nineteen year old winger, Mario Cosario Dubery, who's eighteen. Uh, while Newcastle, Ajax, Wolves, Elect and Borussia Dortmund are all interested. A lot of talent that comes through that at Arsenal Academy is just that they have a manager who's not really interested in promoting them. Uh, Manchester United are tracking Copenhagen and Sweden under-21 international winger Ronnie Barjki. He definitely does look the part, to be fair. He definitely does look the part. Um, United are unlikely to offer... Bruno Fernandes a significant pay rise despite interest from Saudi Arabia. I can definitely see Bruno going to Saudi. I can. And you know, it might not be the worst thing for United if they got rid of him and just kind of cleared house. Because he's the club captain and he's not a captain. He's not a good leader. He's a tremendous player. I'm a big, big fan of him as a player. He's an awful captain. And I do wonder if they might be better off parting ways with him and looking to bring in someone like an Elise and building around players like that. Uh, That's it, folks. That's all I have for today. I will see you all tomorrow. Uh, No, I will see you all on Friday. Friday. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. Network.